0: Hey friends, welcome in for mile 107 of the Seconds Flat Running Podcast. In this edition, we will bring you the second half of the conversation that we started last week about lactate threshold and tempo training. This time we'll move from the what, the definitions and discussion we had last time, to the why and how why you include it in your training, and how you can construct workouts along the three-zone model we presented in mile 106. We hope you enjoy mile 107 of Seconds Flat. This is the second Splat Running Podcast.
1: Been broken three times. He refuses to give in. He might do it! Look at that guy! Look at Black
0: Zero. Oh my Alright, Phil, so hicking up from all of the understanding of the science that we laid out last time, and now taking this to the stuff that people actually care yeah, about. Yeah. But Again, you and I will agree wholeheartedly. What we went through previously is incredibly significant as a foundation to being able to apply these actual oh, workouts. Absolutely. Right? It's it's a must. Maybe you are the person who listens to the first half and thinks, just tell me what to do in a workout. Okay. But is that the level of understanding we really need to create mastery? Right. We need more.
1: Well, especially if you're trying to write your own workouts, understanding where those levels are, what those levels mean, and then using that knowledge to actually build something
0: to get you faster. Because that's the whole goal. Yeah. Right? It's to cover the ground more quickly. I had this discussion with one of our athletes recently. It's not about making it feel easier. It's going to stay hard. You're just going to get to the finish line quicker. Well, and and so this
1: brings me to one of my favorite research studies looking at some one of this topic Mm -hmm. was I would have to go and dig for the authors in the school. But basically, college cross country team comes in at the beginning of the season. The exercise science department tests all these guys for where their lactate threshold is. Basically, how fast they're running at these levels. Go through a whole season of training. At the end of the season, test again. Their threshold levels don't change at all but they're faster. Mm -hmm. So I think that's one key ingredient to this type of training that's so important is even if we don't move this threshold, which to most of us listening, this training will improve this threshold. But even if we don't move it, a lot of training
0: around these levels improves our ability to tolerate that discomfort. Phil, I have it written in my notes. The greatest significance in doing this work is likely the ability to continue to do the work at paces accompanying these lactate values, meaning I can continue to work rather than being unable to run. I can sustain it longer because I've done the work at and around these paces. Yeah, well, and
1: even moving beyond physiology, a lot of this work is to a degree- Psychological training. And that uh, when we come you're... back to that, because I got one you
0: and I are going to disagree <laughs> oh, on, big boy. I can't wait. All right. Um,
1: but even though the, these, your levels of physiology are changing at these breakpoints, your brain is getting these signals that you need to slow down, that this hurts, that there is danger,
0: mm-hmm. and
1: that you need to go slower to accommodate yeah. for that. A lot of this work teaches you to reset that signal to say, this isn't hurting me. I'm doing okay. I can hold this. This isn't a threat but that I can maintain this effort. Okay. So a
0: lot of a lot of this training is really brain training. I like that. Now we're going to dive into it. Let's go. Okay. So what is the real goal here? You stated it, to get faster, to be a yep. better racer. What does that involve? It involves a lot of physiological and a lot of psychological factors. The two often intertwined. Working at these thresholds, like a break point, as we mentioned before, between a second and third zone... Mm-hmm. And around those paces all have a role here. Yep. They're all going to help you improve. I will argue in a marathon and especially beyond, neuromuscular fatigue seems more determinant in the longer events yes. than just where your threshold values are and how long you can sustain those. But those paces do provide an indicator for fitness and some idea of the ceiling. Yep. That we can reach. Yeah. So let's go ahead into some training examples. Yeah. Okay. We've made the people we wait through a whole mini series (laughs) of uh, of episodes. Let's just succumb to the peer pressure and give them what they want. Here we go, folks. I'm going to start with one that you love. You mentioned it in your simple week, what it would look like in a previous episode. It's the, the introductory understanding of this work. And that is the simple, in quotes, tempo run. Yeah. Often introduced as 20-ish minutes of running. When done best, in my opinion, whether it's 20 minutes or 24 minutes or whatever number in that range, doesn't matter. When done best, it starts slightly slower than your lactate threshold Uh value. And so for the sake of this argument, let's just say that that corresponds to for runner X, Phil – His 15K pace. Yep. Okay. It's going to start slower, half marathon pace, or maybe Mm -hmm. even just a touch slower than that. Over the course of a few minutes, it's going to gradually progress and then try to stay on that value for most of the run and possibly in the final two to three minutes become slightly faster. Yeah than that 15 K pace. Yeah. I don't consider that a requirement, but I think when you do it right, that can happen and is, is good. and
1: I think a lot of times when it's done wrong is that it starts out way too quick. Mm -hmm. And then by the end, the 17, 18, 19 minutes, you're slowing down. So you're going
0: much slower than where we want to be on that threshold. That's why progression running in general is valuable. It, it pulls us back from overdoing it at the start of an effort. I've worked with people. I, I have known teams that completely eliminated this stuff and went all to progression running just to keep the reins on at the beginning. As an aside, one of the values of progression running when used here or in other places is that in these sessions, when you move from slower to faster, it allows for muscle fiber recruitment that replicates what you want and what you are going to do in a racing situation. Phil, I'm going to say it. I am at best completely meh (laughs) on the 20-minute tempo run. Fair enough. To your point on the mental aspect, Uh there is some psychological value here. I don't think it is physiologically necessary for someone running 3K, 5K, 10K, 15K, maybe even half marathon... It probably has a little more value to put in occasionally in a marathon program okay. where you want to work on locking in for a rhythm yeah. for a longer period of time. Because one, the the broken or segmented work that you could do instead allows for more total volume yep. or time in the zone. Time at zone, yeah. And two, outside of you, I don't
1: know a ton of people who love doing this. <laughs> I, no, I think that's fair. And I, I think with, you know, we'll get to this in a little bit, but some of our newer understandings of how to train this and different workouts, you know, this was a an old school workout, kind of our original lactate threshold workout, but yeah. there's a whole lot more variety that we can throw at it to make it more interesting, but also to spend
0: more time at that zone yes, as well. Yes, because Twenty minutes for most people is probably a minimum. Yeah. If you're running at a, again, we're talking about on the conservative end here. We haven't yet unpacked how you can manipulate this variable by running faster than the threshold by running in zone three, which can happen. Right. But if you're in a conservative, you're you're stuck right in the middle of that second zone. Twenty minutes is probably a minimum. Yeah. And you could probably do if chunked because I don't think it's Necessarily the best approach to try to do this continuous. If chunked into segments, you could probably do up to 40 minutes yeah. of this work. 25, 30 to me makes a lot of sense and could be more valuable than 20. It's our common mistake to create this 20 minute tempo run and execute it in a way that doesn't actually improve the variables like we think it is. That's b- fair. Because of how we execute right. it.
1: Right. how it's done.
0: Yeah. I thought you would like my position here less. You seem to be somewhat agreeable <laughs> with me, and I, I wanted more both verbal and physical uh, conflict.
1: No, I, I, I think you're right. And I think since you're the coach, you have a little bit more background about prescribing these workouts beyond just the, the science of what's happening through, the, through these levels. But I think there's a whole lot more value in spending as much time as possible. That's not true. Spending more time yeah, not in as these much zones. Fun. Okay, thank yeah. you for catching yourself. Um, that was good. Than what you get in the difficulty of that twenty minutes when it's done correctly, and yeah. I think it is very easy not to do that workout
0: correctly. Yeah, as you were responding there, I started thinking about. When was the last time I actually had an athlete do this or I did it myself? Yeah. And I can think I, – I remember the exact last time that I did it. It's been almost it's two years ago. <laughs> I, I, I so did, years ago. I did three years ago. Almost <laughs> two years ago. It was early spring. I did a four-miler, but I progressed it. And And I think in the examples that I've given athletes to do, mm-hmm. we did the same thing where we opened this with maybe even as much as five or seven minutes. Of running at slightly slower than half marathon pace. Went to a a block of like 16 to 20 minutes on it. And then 2 to 3 minutes where we closed progressively faster, where I would guess probably even the last 30 seconds were like 5K efforts. Okay. And so then the whole thing adds up to somewhere in the range of like 25 minutes or so. I did it in a model that was shorter. It was like 21, 22 minutes. Yeah, probably 22-ish minutes for four miles, but it was broken similarly. It was like the first half mile to three quarters of a mile were slower. I was on it for about three miles and then I closed.
1: Okay. So, thinking back, probably the last time I did it, the the week before the marathon I did back in the fall was 20 minutes, but I did that at marathon pace. So, really, more yes. just an, an economy at workout.
0: And then through that cycle, I probably did that workout every third or fourth week. And that's totally different than this is why we defined like tempo and threshold running right. earlier, because you are not in this case Correct. The, teetering the week before, that line from zone two into zone three. No.
1: You know, the week before the marathon, it was it was a tempo effort. Yeah. You know, it was, it was, was really rhythm. trying to groove that, that rhythm. Yes. Um, whereas, you know, the weeks before and the times I would do that, it was
0: you know, 15K pace. Let's,
1: let's move past this workout. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's exactly what I was just going to say. <laughs> Phil, let's then talk about the ways that we think you can manipulate this variable as well or better. Because yeah. I, I said earlier, that's like the first chapter. Yeah. What you just described. But if you only read the first chapter of the book... You're missing and a lot. What the heck's happening in yeah. the plot? And so there's so much more that happens as the story progresses that brings it together and makes for, I loved that book. Yeah. Well, so so let's look at maybe the workouts I've done the past couple
1: weeks. Yeah. It's kind of our, our bookends here. And I mentioned earlier, or I guess last episode where I did three by eight minutes at about half marathon pace. Yeah. You know, ultimately... For a marathon, I would like to build that up to five by eight minutes. Okay. So that's about 40 minutes total mm-hmm. um, at half marathon pace. And that will be kind of just above you know, that turn point of zone one, zone two.
0: Yeah. To me uh, – Kind of on the bottom end of zone two. You are almost in the middle of it. Okay. Again, that depends on ability level. Right. Right. But I just look at like how long it takes me to run a half marathon, and I think I'm probably right in the middle of that second zone. Yeah, yeah it varies from person to person, just like the four millimole average we talked right. about varies. But you're know, in so, the second zone. Yep.
1: Yeah. And then on the other end of that, to me, is the workout I did earlier this week was the four by four minutes at ten k pace, mm-hmm. and that might be something that I would build up to six reps. Yeah. So I getting yeah twenty four minutes. Uh, so, and we can manipulate recoveries and all that as yes. well. You know, I, the way I've have done those two workouts is two-minute recoveries, and it's somewhat early in a, a cycle, so that's a touch on the longer side. But with that workout, we're working more the top end of zone two, kind of right around that zone two, zone three yes. uh, turn point.
0: Well, what you brought forward with the first workout is taking that traditional 20-minute run and segmenting. Yeah. You know, it's yep. very much what you've done there to create more volume. More time in the zone. What you've done with the second workout is you're trying to pull up from above. Yeah. From faster paces. Yeah. And then what you may do with that is manipulate, as you said, the rest and also what we might call the density. Yeah. The intervals start to get shorter, which – This is, to to my point of, is that 20-minute tempo run even physiologically necessary? I don't think so, because you can do it in smaller chunks. and get more out of it. And get more bang for your buck. I'll take what you just brought to the highest end on speed. One way to work here is what we might call critical speed Mm -hmm. type stuff. These are speeds just faster than that lactate threshold at that second turn point where we jump into... In our simplified three-zone model, you jump into the third yep, zone now. just to the bottom of zone three. That's right. You could go even faster and still actually be doing critical speed work and threshold work if they're micro-bouts. Yeah. So it could be so like – going from like 5K four minutes pace to – To 30 th-
1: seconds or one minute. Yes.
0: Yeah. yeah, I'm doing 30 on, 30 off, yep. that kind of thing. It could do this same work even faster. If the paces are just faster, like 8K, 10K pace, now the bouts are slightly longer. Mm -hmm. We've mentioned here before kind of a a general guidance that will give that the stuff that you did at like half marathon pace in the second zone, you could do in segments at 5 to 1, work to recovery, and be really safe. You could reduce that a little and it still works. You'll need to reduce it a little if you move your pacing faster. So if I'm running at, let's say, 10K pace in your example, 3 to 1 might be a good ratio. Somewhere in that range is going to work for you. So three minutes on, 1 minute off, up to 6 minutes on, 2 minutes off. That's right. Working at those paces, I generally don't go... As far as you just said, for six minutes. Yeah. That's hard. That's a long At 10K pace, like for myself, I'm covering more than a mile. Right. That's, That's strenuous. I tend to cap those at somewhere around five minutes or maybe a mile. But that's a valuable tool for improving this entire spectrum of paces. So in a nutshell, that's basically we're pulling it from the top. Yep. Or pushing it from below. Or... We're simultaneously doing both. Yeah. Because we can alternate paces. This is my preference yeah. on how to work on this instead of the traditional twenty minute run. I'm trying to subtly beat up on your twenty minute run well, here throughout, but
1: you're the creative one. You're you're getting fancy. <laughs> well I like just chunks of stuff. I'm sp- somewhat this of an is artist what we're doing
0: and we're gonna do this for the whole time. I thrive on creativity here. <laughs> I prefer the stuff that's done slightly faster if you control yourself it's not uh-huh. all out and you and you chunk it well uh, what it allows you to do is simultaneously do some better economy work yeah. and some and some turnover work yep. that i i really like i also like the idea of alternating from a mentally refreshing standpoint also in addition to what it's doing physiologically where if we just take person y who is a really good runner and maybe their threshold pace is at 5 minutes a mile yeah but we alternate from like 4.45 and 5.30 or something for for segments back and forth. I gave a great example for a more advanced runner.
1: So you so like that, but here's where I don't like that. For a beginner runner, to a degree, there's some some intensity control that's required. Yes. And having that feel of for this five minute threshold pace runner, mm-hmm. having the ability to differentiate between what 4.45 feels like and 5.15 feels like, they may have that. But for somebody that is relatively new or that hasn't spent a bunch of time really working on their
0: pace feel, they're all over the place. Whereas we want somewhat of a pace discipline to this. I would counter that by saying that person is the one who's going to struggle the most with figuring this out for 20 minutes. Um, Fair enough. They're going to get... Probably over their head at the beginning yeah. or not get to the pace till 18 minutes well, that's in. that's a
1: powerful lesson and they'll do better next time.
0: <laughs> <laughs> there is some truth yeah. to that. But to me, that's the person where we go to the chunks that we've okay. already yep. discussed. That makes total sense. Yeah. You do need some level of mastery before you start, start alternating. But once you've raced enough, you can do it well. Agreed. Even if you just have, this is what I ran a 10K in and this is what I ran my marathon in. You start al- yeah. alternating between those two. That's a good one. You can make some magic yeah, right there. Absolutely. And what this does we we did an entire series on this in a workout we love episode on alternations. It teaches you to move fast while you're clearing. Yep. It makes that pace, a marathon pace feel easy, but you have to have good control. Yep. You're 100% right, but I I do stand by my point that that person would struggle more sure. with the 20-minute run. Okay. Because if I alternated in like one-minute to one-minute segments, it gives me time. And after a few reps, I could probably figure, figure it, it out. out. Yeah. My favorite here, of course, is the Mona Getty fartlek, which I've been through a million times because it's just it's good. a good one. It's good. Yeah. We mentioned in the first half of this episode about what I did in a workout of one-on-one on, one off. I did it 15 times. You could start with 10. Yeah. And if you did ten by one one, there's your twenty I, minutes. Well, and I think that's a great entry level workout too, some of this work. Yes, I 100% agree. It is easier to master than that twenty minute uh-huh. run. It's easier to master than a monotetty, which is also mm-hmm. twenty minutes and slightly less challenging. Yep. And as you move up, like to me, fifteen by one one is similar, or maybe just slightly more challenging than that monotetty fart. Like even though it's ten minutes longer. Those surges in the fart fartlek start to catch up with you as the time condenses later on. And you get to like 14 minutes in fairly quickly. And then you're like, holy cow, I got to do six (laughs) minutes of this. And there's I'm going back and forth on 30 second cycles where I'm running hard and it'll catch up with you. The opposite way to go is this is, again, for more advanced people, especially if you're running a longer race, longer alternated intervals, maybe half miles Mm or 800s on the track. And it could be simple stuff. It could be half marathon to marathon pace. It's not a huge variation. It could be 10K to marathon pace or 10K to steady, like slightly yeah. slower than marathon pace. It fits in some way the concept of like an Aussie quarter right. that you I was gonna like say, as yeah, well, right? Where We're going... 400 at 5K-ish pace, yep. 200 meter float that might be marathon pace. So that... you're learning to clear that lactate quicker yes, and recover
1: easily, but not going... Not letting that lactate level drop too much. That's right. That's happening
0: naturally as you recover. If you just easily jog, it's happening more so than if you continue to work at a sustained effort, but one that pulls you back just enough that now I am both pushing and pulling on both sides of this to create an effect along the curve Mm -hmm the gray zone of your lactate threshold. Another one that takes this model is some people will refer to it as like a wave tempo. I will chunk these in to maybe three minutes on and three or down to two minutes steady. That's a full six minute block in the first example, five minutes in the second one. So in the first one, if I did five sets of it, I've gotten to 30 minutes. Yeah, you got 30 minutes right there. right? Um, Or vice versa, six sets of the second example. We can, we can wrap our heads around three minutes at 10K pace mm-hmm. and then three minutes steady to recover and do that six times. I might start with fewer. I might start with – I just said six. Excuse me. I meant five. But I might start by only doing four yeah. and then go to five later on. What's the totality of work you did over time? Like That's something that I monitor with a Monteghetti fart. like It's the, it's the piece I monitor even though I never do them uh-huh. in the same place. What was my overall average on the workout? Not what did I do the fast cycles in and what did I do the slow cycles in? So let, so let me ask you
1: this. And as you're building this, mm-hmm. what kind of volume are you working up to in terms of, let's keep it simple, just in terms of your, your on cycles? How much work are we doing there? In
0: an alternation context, depending on the pace at which the on cycles are done, mm-hmm. determines... The total body of work I have used alternations that have lasted for over an hour. Yeah. However, how are those set up? Five minutes at ten seconds faster than marathon pace. Five minutes at thirty seconds slower than it. Yeah. Repeated for up to twenty k of work. So here's kind of my rule of thumb. Can you tell me where you disagree? Yes, on this? please do. Is
1: basically the amount of hard work you're doing is about half the time it takes you for a race of that equal distance. So what I mean by that is mm-hmm. let's take the you know five by eight minutes at half marathon pace. Mm-hmm. That's 40 minutes. Half marathon time is going to be somewhere in the range of one hour, 20 hour, 25. Yeah. So we're doing about half of how long it takes to do that work in our 20 minute sustained tempo that you like so much. <laughs> we're doing that at 10 K pace, maybe a little bit
0: slower. I hope a little bit slower because <laughs> I know what I do a 10k in, and running a 10k pace for 20 minutes consecutively in practice feels really, yeah. really hard to so, me. So, but just, that's like just a less than half of of what a 10k time would be. So, yeah,
1: on that effort, a 10k would be say 40 minutes or so. We're doing 20 minutes
0: at that that pace. So here's how I look at this, and this could be an alternating, or it could be in chunking. Mm-hmm. Either way. Yeah, 40 minutes of half marathon pace work feels like plenty. Yeah. And then it's going to slide down in time as your speed increases. I can't think of a scenario where I'm going much over 25 minutes worth of 10K pace work, even if broken. Yep, And I'm not going to go in an alternation setting. This might get to the answer to your question better. In an alternation setting, the amount of high-end work in the pacing – is generally slightly less in sum than if you just did repetitions at that same pace. Yeah. Okay, does that make sense then? Well, and and
1: as well, we should probably say for those that are beginner runners and just starting to play with stuff, these are probably ceilings in terms of volume.
0: Yes, that's what I'm not yep. when I say forty, I'm saying that's a ceiling. Yep. For
1: somebody that's advanced too, for somebody that's starting out, we're probably talking, what, half of this? Yes, absolutely.
0: Because you can get a great stimulus of it at twenty five to thirty minutes yeah. to say and there's a great argument to be made for at twenty five to thirty minutes, instead of doing another rep, switch to a different stimulus that's yeah. really short. Go do strides, do strides. now. <laughs> yeah. Like you know, go do a hill rep yeah. something instead now there, there's plenty of argument that that's a, an as good or better approach yep. other ways to do this blended intervals which sounds a little bit like alternations but it's a little different here's what i mean you're creative thank you <laughs> this would be running a rep like a k at a set prescribed pace like 10k pace mm-hmm. jogging 200 meters and then a faster 400 so that my i've okay. done i've done a full mile now Yep. Yeah. I did 1,200, three laps there, yep. another lap for 400, yep. four total laps, got my mile, and then I take a rest after that. It could be a longer jog, it could be a walk, whatever, and so those become sets, and now you go back to, in the next one, that slower pace, mm-hmm. or this looks in practice, more famous iterations are the Lumberjack, the Northern Arizona yeah, yeah. workout that I like to modify a little bit. It's really... A lactate threshold workout because the short chunks, which if you're unfamiliar, go back to our combination workout episode, the short chunks are 400 meters and they're often done at maybe 5K Mm. type goal pace. But in chunks that small, your blood lactate level doesn't skyrocket. It rises, but it stays under control. And so you'll do a set of 400s. Then you'll do... Like a tempo mile or a number of minutes for it, and you'll go back and forth between these sets. We're blending different distances mm-hmm. and paces within a workout but still those blood levels are staying around yes. they're bouncing up and down but staying right around those turn points that's right it would be different in a combined workout like the michigan mm-hmm. that we bring up in that same episode earlier because a lot of that stuff even though it has tempo sections do in it. between <laughs> yeah i know i've been there it's rough i yeah. got some guys who love it though the the intervals there are There are tempo segments in between the intervals, Mm -hmm. but the intervals are done hard. They're not necessarily always done with a specific pace. Coach Warhurst has guidance that he's used over the years on the targets, but a lot of people just try to run those hard and that changes it in what its intention is. Another thing you could blend is to put hills in. One that I love to do is do a K with a hill nearby, jog to the hill, two hill reps, and that's a set. Do five sets. Now, I've done 5Ks, 10 hills, and hills are a great place to work on threshold stuff Absolutely. and to improve the curve. We're going to fall back to my general guidance. If you don't know what to do, run hills. Run hills. It just works. In strides. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's you. That's me. we put our whole philosophy together right. in one here. You don't have to be that creative. You could do hills like that. You could include hills in the middle, like go out and if I were to take your 20-minute workout mm-hmm. and try to do something similar that I actually prescribe and like, it might be... Two miles or like 10 minutes is slightly less for most people 10 minutes Mm -hmm. would be at that 20-minute run pace, threshold run pace. And then do a a set of hills in the middle and then come back to that 10 Ah, minutes or do two blocks of 10 Uh minutes and then hills at the end. Yep, I like that. You could also do hills at the beginning – and then this is another place where I might use a continuous run after as a great clearance exercise. Okay. I'll do a set of six, eight hills, let's say 40 seconds, minute hills. I get some power, mm-hmm. work hard, build up some junk, and now I got to go deal with it on right. a run. manage it. And I go out for two or three miles. Yeah. Or maybe it's, it feels a little more complicated to go here, but this is, would be like in the Dellinger style. He didn't exactly okay. do this, but this is the type of style he would set up. Do the hills. Then just run steady, maybe marathon pace or slightly slower, for 20, 30 minutes. Mm -hmm. This is great for the marathoner now to work on the mental Uh side. And then come back to the track and finish with something that's faster. Okay, Some 200-mile pace or something like that. So there's a million different things you can do with hills. This is the most important guidance for all these workouts I just gave you. Don't just do one. They're all working on different parts of the curb. Any skill unsharpened fades over time. And so if you only did the Monteghetti fart like every week, that would not be the approach. Steve you get really good at doing that. Well Steve Monteghetti did it right, but it wasn't his only workout right. every week. It wasn't the only way he worked on these skills. And he adjusted how he did those ons and offs right. based on the time of the year. I'll build on that. Don't do just one. And then when I look at the entirety of this spectrum, I think that working on this curve, on this variable of your running, and the intensities that accompany it could just be really good for us for nothing that has to do with the curve at all. Go back to my agriculture analogy (laughs) from earlier. It might not be about the curve at all. It might be a space that is both really safe and really productive Mm -hmm. combined with... Lower risk of injury than running really, really Really hard. hard. We're minimizing risk of overtraining, yet we're still getting better. That, to me, is like the ultimate takeaway of why you are doing this stuff. Because it's high-end aerobic. We're improving that over time. If you want to go out and get really good on a six-week block, this is not the way to do it for you. Go do the super hard VO2 max stuff. That's fine. But guess what? In six months... Phil, on his threshold training approach or stuff along this threshold curve, will have caught you, and in three years, he'll be better than you. Yes. Because you will have one plateaued and two likely gotten injured. Yep. Especially if you're our age. (laughs) you would be broken in three weeks. Here's the exclamation point on all that. Can you exhibit the control to run these intensities appropriately. That's going to go a long way in determining how effective this training I really that's is a huge point. and yeah. your success. Just because you think you're doing critical speed work or maximal lactate steady state, be honest with yourself and then don't try to run it 10 seconds faster than you know you should just because it looks better on Strava. Yeah.
1: Intensity discipline is so important.
0: The control measure is critical. I did a ton of workouts. Do you have any you want to add?
1: No, I think you covered it. Okay.
0: There's others. Yes. I could go on here, but I think that's
1: a good format. I think we've kind of set the upper and lower limits and how to work along those different points through the curve and how to kind of get creative to hopefully give
0: information to build workouts for those points. Yes. You know the principles. Now you can apply them. As you dabble in them, and I said don't just do one, that's also in part because you're going to find what you like. Do what you have fun with. Come back to that. It can be a staple in your diet of of workouts. I find for myself and a lot of the guys I work with who are more advanced, they like working a little bit faster into that edge of zone three – because they can groove there. it yeah. just feels right. And so we'll do the three on one off at 10k pace a lot because we like the way that works. We'll do I myself will do the alternations or the Monteghetti more frequently because I enjoy and embrace and attack them and I grow confidence from them. and I'm, you know, I'm working all this stuff that I could in other ways, but it's just the way that works for me. Let's pivot from there to how you might use this in a long-run workout. Okay. Friend of the show, our guy Craig, reached out and had some interest in using threshold work within your long-run workout. And as I said to you, Phil, off-air, this is both a potentially incredibly valuable place to work on it within a long run. It can be dangerous, too. And a potentially dangerous place to work on it. I got into somebody's Strava's comments a couple of weeks ago. Young guy, great kid. He's out west now, does a lot of trail running and loves it, eats it up. And he made a comment about the inherent superiority of singles over doubles, of running once a day over running twice. For most of us, that's right. That's all yeah. you need. And running twice a day, if not done right, can be a disaster. That can break you Very quick. quickly. Yes. With that said, I do it a lot. I'd like to think I exhibit some degree of control. Well, and you run relatively high volume too. I do run Whereas high in volume. in my case, I have never done that. Yeah. And what's the purpose if you're, running, if you're the person running 20 miles a week? Right. If you're running 80, 90, 100, it makes more sense. I countered his point with two arguments. One is look at virtually all of the best runners in the world. What do they do? Doubles. Doubles. Every day. Yes. More than I do, <laughs> know, right? Almost every day. Yeah. Often only not on the day they go long or the day that they have total rest. And two, the copious amount of literature that suggests an easy double gets you the value of frequency, but with greater recovery than doing long singles all the time. And so I just put that out there for us to say, you know, it, this is another perspective. I then added later in a comment, we're all an N of one. Yeah. We're going to figure out what works for us. Play with what it works for you gonna, gonna what tinker you with it. to. Right. Yeah. So it was a great discussion to go back and forth a little bit about that and just not be trapped in what we think we know. I love him challenging it and me challenging him. He recently did a, a workout I noticed where it was a trail run in the mountains, like three hours with tempo chunks in the third hour, my first Ouch. instinct was, well, that sounds miserable. Uh-huh. My second was, though, he has enthusiasm about it, so it's definitely better for him than it is for me. And I know plenty of ultra people who do work at the end of mm-hmm. a long workouts like that, but that is not the place where you're actually improving this curve. You're working on something totally right. different. If you are in the third hour, 20 miles deep on a trail, and now you're popping, whatever it was, two by 15 minutes threshold effort. One, that deep in a run, effort becomes a totally different thing. It's just not associated with, you're probably not really close to your pace at that point. And, And so probably targeting pace is more valuable if you're trying to progress late in a run. But two, we've just reached a point of fatigue where we're taking a big risk well my injury. concern from
1: a clinical perspective would be the the changes to those movement patterns that have occurred from That's right. That's where know, I'm going. the beginning yeah. of the run to hour three. Yep. And that we're stacking more intense work, more heavier load onto
0: very fatigued That's movement right.
1: patterns, very fatigued tissues.
0: Absolutely. So you're that is a risk you're taking. And you're not actually then shifting the curve either because you would be you would want to do that earlier, mm-hmm. so this gets to the point of how you compose a long run workout generally that high quality work it won't come at the very beginning. you need to warm up into it, but it shouldn't go at the very end, right maybe it's within the first hour or the first ninety minutes. You can expand that number the more you work on it, how you move it around. I don't know that you want to get in a place of just doing every long run long run, where you're trying to add more quality and do it deeper into right. the run. Where you're That's... working
1: on two almost conflicting systems.
0: Well, that is bingo right there. What's the point of your long run? If if you are focused on the aerobic value of that long run and the structural values that come with it of just the loading over time and, and callousing your body yeah. to that, you can be counterproductive to those by, by shifting what's happening in your body. And I don't like big blocks of work that are faster than threshold pace within a long run. Uh, I would agree. Let's say like we gave guidelines for doing this at 10K pace in traditional workouts. I'm not going to run those big chunks within a long run at that pace. Absolutely not. It's something else happening. I'm okay with saying you're doing X number of miles and the first minute of every mile is at 10K pace for this section of the run. I'm fine with that. You're not getting the spikes and you're getting a little turnover and and that can make sense to me. But I'm not going to say from miles 18 to 22, we're running it at 10K pace. You just left your race in your workout. And that's not the we're, – we're not doing this to work out. Yeah. We're doing this to get better. Well, and here – so
1: here are two examples of long run workouts that I like, but that kind of illustrate this point, is that – let's take a two hour long run. And this is one that Steven Sadler has recommended more as a test than it is an actual workout to repeat through a cycle. But – every 30 minutes doing five minutes at critical speed. So at 10 K pace and making sure that, you know, at minute 30, that's not going to be too hard to hit. Yeah. At the hour, it's going to be a little more challenging at 90 minutes. It's going to be more challenging still, but can you sustain that through the fourth one at the end of two hours? And that's not necessarily, it is a metabolic challenge. We're testing these physiological systems, but it's more how sustainable is this as we fatigue? Yes. And if you're falling apart, on rep three and four at the end, to me, that tells me we just need more total overall volume of work. We got to build a bigger floor of our ranch house
0: yep. before we worry about trying to push that critical speed faster necessarily. Yeah, because 90 to 100 minutes in a lot of the studies tends to be the breaking point on that power. right? And it starts to fade with the fatigue beyond that. Yep.
1: And the, the, the other long run workout that you see commonly is – kind of the progression long run Mm -hmm. where you have a little bit faster finish. I have
0: such a love-hate relationship with this workout. Oh, absolutely. Yeah,
1: so, for example, let's take that two-hour long run. Maybe the last 30 minutes we're running at marathon pace. Mm -hmm. But even though we are stressing those physiological systems to a degree, number one, we got to be able to go two hours comfortably first. Yeah. And number two, that last 30 minutes is as much building our tolerance to those movement patterns That's what it is. Then we are necessarily training –
0: Actually improving those Training metabolism necessarily. Yes. Uh, Yes. I like it occasionally. Right. Maybe I would even say more rarely depending on the athlete. But I think it's overused. It becomes like a go-to for marathoners of just do the last four faster every time. And there's a place for it. But it's about what debt have you put yourself into for the next X number of days? Right. What hole are you digging out of? If you had done a different – a steady long run or an easy long run, would you bounce back faster every week and get more other quality work in where you could develop those skills? Or is it more productive to have a a
1: 16-week block where you're just consistently doing two – sometimes two-plus hours and just stacking week on week versus
0: doing workouts to prove something to yourself? Yeah. You have to have control. If the workout's just to prove it to yourself, then what's the point? Right. And we've all done that. (laughs) Right? We've all made that mistake any of these workouts, regardless of the length, there is clear evidence that the cool down helps clear blood lactate through increased blood flow. Mm. That's different, though, than the value that increased blood flow has when you go out and run an easy double later in the day after a workout. It, it's something else happening. At that point, blood lactate levels have returned to normal. And so you're not right. creating that function. That's why it's important to make sure you cool down. But I also am of the opinion on a Totally different topic here that many of us are cooling down too long and not warming up enough. Sometimes the cool down becomes this excessive, like I just have to hit just my target of mileage. mileage. Is If that's the goal, if mileage is the goal, then that's a separate issue. If you're just trying to cool down, then just cool down. Just turn the lights yeah. off. You don't need four miles to do that. In fact, at times you may only need five Five or 10 minutes. That depends on the person and the activity that you just did. But I wouldn't say that you just want five or 10 minutes on the front end to get ready. Right. So that's where I think there's, I perceive an imbalance. So what are the newest applications in practice of working this curve? The example that we see a lot because of the success is the double session attributed largely to the brothers Ingebritsen. Oh,
1: that sounds painful
0: yes so uh, for those unfamiliar the Norwegian training model as it's known because it's uber common there it's like, not just all, used for those guys it's almost for their everybody's on athletes yes they're cyclists yes cross-country skiers yeah it is a double session in which you have hard workouts hard in quotations it's like the lactate threshold it's on a curve mm-hmm. in the morning and evening, you do a hard session. And they will do that more than once a week. The traditional Norwegian slash Britsen base model is Tuesdays and Thursdays with double sessions. This has evolved through Marius Bakken, who was a great runner two Mm decades-ish ago. And much of the detail is now understood through his blog, stuff he's published, we see the shared training of the Swedish uh, mid-distance star, Kale Bergquist. His stuff is out there and he pretty much, his coach said, yeah, we just took what the Ingebritsons are doing. He's like a 333, 1500 mm-hmm. meter guy, really good. But we've also seen recent podcast interviews with Gert Ingerbritsen, the dad who is in charge the of the training, yeah. and several people who have trained with them at different times. And so we, we have this better understanding of what they're doing. Their goal is simple. Their goal is increasing the total time slash volume at these paces. Right. Just trying to figure out a way to manage how much of this work to to absorb. And so what you see is them also doing what we've just described you can do by working at different paces on this spectrum of the curve with each of these sessions. So they do not go out and just run all out work. In either of these double sessions, they're controlled mm-hmm. within this lactate threshold curve. And the morning session works at a different pace than the afternoon session. When they come back to it in a couple days, the afternoon session might use different density than the morning session. So a traditional morning session for them would be six minute intervals, just barely at that line of zone two.
1: Zone one is on two.
0: That's right. Yep. Thank you for clarifying. Moving from zone one into zone two, completely aerobic stuff. Some have argued almost serves as a priming mechanism to do the afternoon work later. And I would raise a point here that I think is significant too. If you're in a position where you have to do back-to-back workout days, it's not something we love, but there's an argument for it. I, and I've known even like take uh, cross-country teams that yep. they have a race on Saturday, let's say consistently, or Friday maybe you know at the college level. They may back-to-back stuff on like Tuesday, Wednesday, so that they have recovery from the race and before the race. And what the Britons do here that I like, if you're pushed into that corner in your training, is the easier session first. Mm-hmm. It forces you to control it. Wake like so everything that, up a little bit. Yes. You don't then overcook and ruin the second one. You know, I can't afford to do that. Right. I'm going to be dead for the next you got to leave something one. in the tank. That's right. And so they might come back in the afternoon and say, do Ks. And then on the second day of the week this this happens, the morning workout could be similar, but the afternoon could be... 400s mm-hmm. but they're really dense i like to do this uh, in my training or when i write it is to maybe just give a 100 jog or a 30 second jog and now these are faster pace because again blood t- blood lactate levels aren't spiking because right. it's short intervals i could run these at maybe 10k pace maybe 8k pace for them more advanced runner might even be slightly faster yeah. for them. It could go down to 5k pace. Uh, I suspect their lactate threshold, and we use that for. I bet their number is much lower, and I bet they flattened this curve out incredibly. Well, and, and they're testing it specifically. They have a blood lactate every workout meter. And every rep, <laughs> that's right. They have the lactate meter right there with them to prick it and know. So it's a very tight intensity control. And they have a target that they want. But it gets back to the simple premise that they're just trying to increase the amount of volume of work they do here. Again, they're doubling that day. They're doubling most days. They're doing a lot of easy running in between. And that's something that's... In, we shared an article that that Bakken wrote uh, that he emphasizes is the easy running in between makes this possible. He actually threw out one suggestion that I thought was just uh, really interesting to me is the possibility of experimenting with this, experimenting with this and going to triple sessions Uh in the future. That would be scary. Oh, right. This is not for you. But these guys are pros and they're putting in tons of mileage. If you're listening to this, and there's tons of mileage of
1: easy mileage stacked behind this as well.
0: This is a great pivot point also to, The understanding of pyramidal versus polarized approaches. What they're doing in their base segment is highly in that pyramid, which if we were to take our three zones, Mm -hmm. the vast majority of the work is in the first one. I like to quantify this with time, Mm -hmm. total time of running, not number of sessions, not miles, miles. but time. Time and zone. Yes, time and zone. Time and zone in that first zone, they're going to be 80 plus percent in the first zone. And then- Let's just make up a number. Let's say it's 85% in the first zone. The second zone in this pyramidal approach would then have the next most amount. Let's just say hypothetically it's 13%. So a lot of work in that middle zone, zone two. Yes. Kind of between those thresholds that we've been talking about. Between the thresholds. And then a pyramidal approach would say a very small amount beyond into the third zone again like the lactate threshold curve itself there's some blurred what's zone 3 what's zone 2 right. going Absolutely. on there but so that zone 3 stuff would be clearly beyond that border i do know if we were to take the Britsons, their number even in the base when they of easy running is a little lower than what I just said because their zone two number is higher Mm -hmm. because of the amount of work they're doing in these double sessions. The polarized model would suggest we're doing more in one and three and less in two. So we're doing a lot of work kind of around that 10 K pace. Yes.
1: And then a lot of work below marathon pace. That's right. But not much work in that... Not much in between. Know, 15K to half marathon pace range.
0: And I find that interesting because we've mentioned here before, there there is kind of a no man's land of are you getting much better? But that seems to be more... It, it's a little slower. It's at like the one to two bridge. That's right. where so many people fall into the media right. As they live their entire training life on the line between one and two. Yep. And it's not enough to really get you better and it's not enough to recover. Well,
1: they're, they're that base would be probably 95% of their running is within 30 seconds on either end of what will be marathon pace. Yes. So they're not doing nearly enough easy running and they're not doing nearly enough running you know, these faster paces a 10K pace or what have you.
0: That polarized approach is more connected with, as you mentioned, Steven Seiler earlier. Mm-hmm. He's made this famous. He's used this on a case study model, which I really like as a research method. He's seen great athletes do this, uh, particularly in other sports, Right. but endurance athletes in general. I shared with you a training study of an anonymous athlete mm-hmm. going into the World Championships uh, a couple of years ago. We know that athlete to be Stewie McSwain's yep. training. You see a theme in the transition though, and there was a recent study on this using a large pool of well-trained athletes. These were like 1530 to sixteen thirty five 5K runners that they actually got to get into a long-term study and give up whatever That's they rare. normally do. Yeah. That's what makes this study yeah. so great. And what they found is they did polarized, they did pyramid, they crossed over, they changed over time. And the evidence suggested we have the greatest efficacy when we go from pyramidal early to polarized mm-hmm. late. And I wrote in my notes after reading that, I, my first reaction was, isn't this what great coaches from the mile to 10K have been doing for years We've always anyway? done that, yeah. Right? So far out
1: from the race, you're putting in a ton of miles, on of easy miles. Yep. You're doing a lot of threshold work at some of those easier paces. So marathon pace, half marathon pace, building the volume there. But as we get closer to the race, that's when we're getting sharp and doing the mile repeats, 5K repeats, 10K chunks.
0: Yeah. What I would love to see is the study that blends this and does a longer cycle like I like to use with like 10 or 14 days and has... A workout, let's say they got three sessions in there, mm-hmm. and one's a long run, and one would fall to be considered polarized, and yeah. one's more the pure, so that you're blending because so you I have know, all of it, yeah, I know both approaches really do cross line because it's, it's not fifty here dry. fifty there and zero in grand. the middle, yeah. yes, because I do find there's value to working a skill repetitively, and then there would also be like the Comparison of doing it in blocks. It, there's so many ways you could look at that, but it just reinforced me, this is what they're doing. The Britsons, I just showed you a, a chart in Norwegian mm-hmm. <laughs> of what they do when they get near race day. We look at what Stewie McSwain does in that study as its competition season. We look at what Coach Renato Canova does with his funnel of specificity mm-hmm. when we're pouring all around the outside, the rim of it, all kinds of ingredients. We are salting the rim of the cocktail with everything at the top, but then we're taking it through a funnel to the most specific. And then we look at this study and what the best college coaches have done here forever and the, and the best professional coaches. They all reinforce the value of this stuff. It's kind of the science catching up with the coaching Mm -hmm. and what we already know. You and I have talked about that before. But what it does emphasize is that working along this curve at different points on the curve have value for your improvement as a runner. Yes, And that is with all the discussion of, of what variables are still out there and not understood about blood lactate and this threshold, that is something that generally is agreed upon. I double back on they have value because the risk isn't as high as just going out and hammering a lot. You can do a lot more work here. Yes, it's just done with more wisdom, and I can expand. We all know in distance running, it's a long-term endeavor. What am I going to do over time to be better? Consistency of running. Phil, you and I both know it. What, What did we do 10 years ago versus what we do now? Yeah, things have evolved in training. But if we just hadn't run for that 10 years, we wouldn't be nearly as good as we right. are now. That's that well, fundamental principle. it's not what principle. you've done over
1: the past four to six weeks. It's what you've done over the past six months and six years. That's right.
0: Yeah. Phil, what else do we want to add here? Oh. Have we gotten to the bottom of this? I think oh we've exhausted gosh. it. You've exhausted me. I know. I'm worn out. <laughs> Holy cow. This is fantastic and – one night of recording, two episodes. Who the heck even knows what happened in between when we published these? I brought <laughs> up that Cole Hawker is going for a and and Cooper Tier going for an American mile record. They might have broken it by yep. now. Who knows? Well, thanks so much for lending your insight, Mister Director. Oh, it's always a pleasure. Yeah, it, it was it was fantastic. I am certain some of you have questions we haven't answered here. Feel free to contact us. Please email us. Yeah, secondsflatpodcast at gmail dot com. We'd love to hear from you. Please. Subscribe, rate, and review where you listen. And as we set out at the beginning of this, uh, we hope to have taken something perhaps mystifying and tried to clarify a little bit. I know you hear these terms all the time. What are people even talking about? And now you can take it and use it in your running to be better prepared for your next race. This has been mile 107 of the seconds flat running podcast and we look forward to seeing you next time on mile 108 everybody have a great week and happy running